I'm so glad you tuned in. You're listening to Unauthorized Opinion. Hello, this is Inandi. Um, today I'm joined by my two roommates again. I'll let them introduce themselves. Hey y'all, it's Bria. Hi, it's Phyllis. Um, so if you heard the first episode, which I'm assuming everybody that's listening to this has heard it. If you have not heard it, go back and listen. Um, this is a part two of the first episode. And so just a little recap, last episode we talked about the standpoint of the parents. We talked about um, the standpoint of the children or the teenagers in this sense. And this week we're um, closing this out and we're just going to hit on the abuse. Um, Let's just talk about how stuff is really normalized in the black community. Just in society, not even just in the right now, it has been for years and years. So that's that's where I want to start. It's because it's it's a it's cyclical in nature. Abuse, um, people. Something happens to you as an individual. You have a tendency to either pass that on, on purpose or not, or if it happens to somebody else, it's you want to diminish it. Mm-hmm. You know, well, that happened to me, too. And I think what happens is a lot of times people think they're being relatable when, in fact, you're participating in normalizing a cycle of abuse, whatever it is. You know, if I talk to you crazy and you go talk to to Phyllis crazy, well, if she says something to you, it's going to be like, well, people talk to me like this all the time and I'm fine. Like, why is this a thing? And that's how that cycle is perpetuated because yeah. we want to normalize it and diminish somebody else's reaction to it. More importantly, I think it's kind of like that whole crabs in the barrel mentality. You're trying, you're going up and I'm trying to pull you down. Sometimes when we see victims of abuse or victims of circumstance in general, getting maybe the help they need or the recognition or somebody's actually listening to learn from them, and that may have not happened to the person before them. They try and come in and pull down the, um, well, I, I was raped, well, you know, I was raped too. Instead of allowing this person to go through their trauma and express their pain and get some actual healing from it, now I need to stand next to you or stand above you, stand in front of you and block you because I'm still waiting on somebody to recognize me for the same thing. Mm. And I guess in this situation, you see um, a lot of black men coming out saying, well, when I was 12, when I was 13, um, my virginity was taken by some 30-year-old woman, some 27-year-old woman. And to them, it's not looked at as um, them being taken advantage of. So if you look at D.L. Hughley, I was listening to a podcast that um, D.L. Hughley was on. And He was saying that when he was like 13 or 14, he was being picked up by this 20 year old and um, she was, you know, teaching him how to have sex and stuff like that. And he was like, and he didn't look at that as her taking advantage of him. Like, and he probably thought it was cool. He thought it. And I think what he said was he didn't want to have sex. He didn't want to have sex with her. Like, he did it, but he didn't want to have sex with her. And 
even to this day, years later, he still doesn't address it as something wrong. But when you hear, you know, somebody speaking of, I didn't want to do it, you know, I was kind of, because his mom ended up finding out, not that she was having sex with him, but that little girl was coming and picking him up. Um, and he was just kind of like, he didn't want to do it. And so from that, that let me know that something inside of you knew that it's probably something that shouldn't have been happening. Not probably, it shouldn't have been happening. Now, was he saying, like, I didn't want to have sex with her, like, her specifically, or I didn't want to have sex, like, because he knew that that dynamic was, was wrong, that she was over age, like... He liked the the aesthetics of it. Like, he liked that she's, you know, I'm hitting this older chick. Right. But when it came down to it, the stuff she had him doing, he was like, she um, smoked cigarettes in the bed, and... She would cook this smelly food that he didn't like. And so it was just a bunch of stuff that went along with it that didn't make it enjoyable. And then when you're looking at a 13 and 12 year old, to an extent, there is so, well, there's so many things that are uncomfortable. And so if somebody's smoking in, smoking in the bed Mm -hmm. next to you, you know, it's kind of like, and so he still doesn't, him like, um, like many other black men, they don't address the fact that women um, having sex with them at young ages is a problem. They're so being taken advantage of. Too. They're being taken advantage of too. And so those are like some, well, that is some of, um, I don't know. I, I can't even finish the thought. It's a, it's this whole, um, it's the mindset of it. When, Men are taught to be like grateful for sex, and if if this hot chick wants you, then you the man. So this the uncomfortable part of it for him was so far pushed away that he he probably started thinking to himself like, man, why 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 is this wrong? Yeah, and because he never got an answer, he never said no to it. Like he's however many years old young boy and this is 20 year old chicken she, she's doing the things that he's been taught by that age that the chick's supposed oh she she wants to have sex with me she's giving me all this stuff she, she's cooking me food this is what it's supposed to be like the problem is in his own subconscious he knew that he didn't want to be there yeah. he just didn't have the strength to say he didn't want to be there and he didn't know to tell somebody else his yeah. mother found out mm-hmm. but he didn't know to say hey by the way mom this is happening yeah, and to a degree, I feel as though, and this is not sorry. Go ahead. I this is not in all cases, but to a degree, I feel that is why men grow up with this mindset of kind of preying on younger women. And I could be completely wrong, but this is my opinion. I think that men that kind of have sex or um, like at 12 years old with an older woman, when they grow up, they see nothing wrong with preying on older women, whether it's a five-year difference, whether it's a 10-year difference, like this R. Kelly situation, 15 years, they see, they see no wrong in it. Well, I wouldn't even say preying on older women. Men prey on women in general. And That's more true. often, I think, I'm, I think more often they prey on the younger women. But before I get too deep into that, though, I want to address something that Phyllis just said. She was talking about how he didn't deal. You know, he didn't have, I guess, the strength to be able to speak up and say, "Hey, this is happening to me." Yeah. Why though? I think mean, we really need to talk about 
as a as a community, not even sex is a secret, but you're always taught that certain things are gonna get you in trouble. Yeah. Certain things, like if I do something wrong, I'm going to get blamed for it. You know, and even in a situation like that where the onus should be on the 20 year old who should know Mm -hmm. better not to have sex with a 13 year old boy. At the end of the day, had made how do we know that had he gone home and said to his mom, hey, this happened, that he wouldn't have caught a behind whooping behind that. You're not going to go and yell at or beat on the 20 year old. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? What was the result when his police found out? Oh, she went off on the girl. Because what happened was, um, the girl pulled up to pick him up one day and his mom came out and was like, who are you? And I guess she said who she was and she was like, how old are you? And then that just was the end of it. Because there's no reason why you're 20 something picking up my 12, 13 year old. Yeah. He was lucky. That's true. The problem is in order to combat in order to combat abuse in a whole, we need to make sure we we hit every single aspect. The parents need to know that their child's being abused. You cannot chastise the chastise chastise the child for what the abuser is doing. Asking questions and asking why and trying to help them heal is very different than yelling and screaming. Right, it's very different than interrogation. Only know how to yell and scream, and that's the reason why so many of these like so many of these instances go untalked about until someone's 30, 40, 50 years old. They tell their parents long after they can't yeah. do. You know, and it matter because the, what's it, the don't be a tattletale and all that. All of that, under, explain to your children what these different things mean as they're growing up so they can know what you mean by you can come, come to me with anything. Because a lot of, especially black, black households, come to me with anything for black children means come to me with good news. Yeah. yeah, you can tell me anything you want as long as it's not going to give me a headache, as long as I don't need to drink yeah. out. Exactly. Growing up, and growing up black, like you, to be honest, you really don't have a voice in your household. Like in black households, it's taught that the child you're speaking out is very limited. So that kind of, that eliminates me even coming to you because one, I know the things that I can say to you is very limited because as growing up black, your parents don't allow you to say how you genuinely feel. Mm-hmm. I also think that growing up black and I don't know if this is universal for everybody but it was definitely common for me you're expected to just know everything Yeah. whether somebody actually sat down and talked to you about it or taught you about it you are expected to know everything every time something comes up it's always well you know better <laughs> never taking into consideration that I am a kid I'm a kid I don't know better you know, I don't understand. I don't think that at a at a certain age, especially when you're really, really young, 12, 13, 14, you don't understand really fully the magnitude of what consequences mean. Yeah. Especially at that age, because consequences are normally small. Okay, you don't do your homework, you might get held back. That doesn't mean anything in the fifth grade. Now, in college, at 19 and 20, when you have to repeat a year and it costs $43,000 and you're not going to get your degree, that, that's different. You see mm-hmm. what I'm saying? But we're expected at very young ages to know everything. I should know that this is wrong. I should know that this is something I should have told you about. I'm supposed to know that. And why didn't you say something to me? 
but I don't know. And it's in those instances in which you you get like Phyllis was saying, and where the victim is the one that's being chastised in a situation where they're actually the one being taken advantage of. Yeah. Absolutely. But I think the um, the more we talk about this, then we might as well jump right into R. Kelly and the abuse with his sister. The um, the older sister abused him and the brother. They were they said, oh, we, um, you're, I saw the clip where the brother was on the radio show and he said, we were told we couldn't go outside. We were being, one, one or the other was being punished for something and that's how she would trap them in the house. I did take the time um, to watch a little bit of that radio show that the brother did. The problem with that is, generally, when I when I was a child, I told my, well, not the problem with it, but just, just my take on it. When I was a kid, if I got in trouble for something, even if I thought I was going to get in trouble for it again, I told my mom. Like, there, there was always a sense of my mother. My mother was always my my first go-to for everything. Mm-hmm. So I, I didn't really, I wasn't really close to other family members. So it was always my mom. Like, I was wondering where does this, R. Kelly's always had this um this big fan base built around the love he had for his mother. I'm trying to, where was, what was the conversation with his mother? No, no one ever said, "Hey, she she made us stay in the house again," or mm. or or this these two, or even if any of the other siblings or cousins or whatever would say they got in trouble or, or she made us stay in the house. There was never a conversation with this babysitter because parents think that because they're they're such good people or they're good to their children, they just leave their child with somebody who they associate with or who they trust without thinking, "Hey, the, the, this person might not be as good to my child as I am." Even if it's an older sibling, like stuff like that, we parents I don't think take the time to vet the people around them for the safety of their children as much as they vet the people around them for the safety of themselves. And a lot of people um, leave their older children to look after their younger children. You have some older first children, first first child um, that basically raises their younger siblings. So it's kind of like, like, why do I have to let my kid say, go? It's not like we're we're always talking about outsiders. Yeah, you know, I took my took my kid to daycare, and one of the teachers abused them during nap time when everybody was asleep, or the janitor at school used to touch my son. A lot of times, it happens within your own family, or even if you want to take it out of the the context of family, they say that statistics say that rape victims are normally more often raped by someone they know. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times when we think of abuse or sexual harassment or assault or whatever, it's this thought that, this notion that it's going to be the man jumping out the yeah, bushes. Yeah. No, it's your favorite cousin. It's, it's, it's your uncle. You know what I'm saying? It's the person that you look at every day or every week that you see all the time that you grew up with. And as a parent <clears throat> or a family member, I don't think that they always know that I now need to vet my relatives, mm-hmm. the people that I've spent my entire life around. But how can, how you? can you? Exactly. It's one thing to say, I'm not sending my child over to this person's house because I don't know them. But when it's somebody that you do know. Or somebody that you grew up with, like your sibling, how can you vet somebody? How can you vet your brother like, we used to share a room together. Yeah. Like, what are you talking about? I well, can't I mean, vet and, you. And that's the very real reality that I don't want this, people to have this fear surrounding around their house so they can't let anybody in. But at the, at the at the core of it, 
you always fact check with people and vetting your child is raising your child. Paying attention to what that child is going through so that you can see what, what how they're going to react to their siblings. There are things my mother's able to tell me about myself that I literally have never told anybody else. But that's because she's my mom. Mm -hmm. She observed. You know, she watched. She raised. She paid attention. So, and not to put anything on, you know, R. Kelly's mother. She's a deceased woman. You know, she, she, she probably had a hard life. I don't know her. But the very real reality is your 16-year-old daughter is molesting and raping your younger son. Mm -hmm. There, there are certain things we we look to when we think when we think about women. Where's her boyfriend? Where's her child? Where's her Where's her friend? Mm -hmm. What is your daughter doing every day? And and maybe it's the sociology degree. That, you know, maybe it's you know what I'm learning in school. But there are things that we pay attention to that kind of lead us to a certain conclusion about people. And that gut feeling should not be washed away or should not be taken lightly because someone is your child. You need to pay attention to the people that are around you. If I, if I um, get a text message from somebody and I read it in a certain tone, then generally it's because they wrote it in a certain tone, mm -hmm. as if they were standing in my face speaking to me. So if, you have this, if, you, if your daughter is behaving a certain way, and you know it's completely different from the way she behaved the day before or the year before, then there are some questions that need to be asked. Because oftentimes, people will notice the predator and then say, no, I'm tripping. No, nothing, inside your, nothing inside your body is going to stir you wrong. Yeah. And I guess for me, um, I'm kind of filtering. I'm filtering in my head what I'm going to say right now. Uh, because a situation like this happened in my family. Not to this great extent, but it happened. And um, it's hard when you have a when you have a 16 year old child and um, you have younger siblings. It's hard to an extent, you know, that your child is when you're 16, when you're 17, you're going through this sexual identity crisis, I like to say. Um, not everybody's having sex in high school, but a lot of people are. And so in high school, a lot of people are exploring their sexuality. But as a parent, you know this, but you don't know. Like you have this gut feeling my child is exploring their with sexuality other with other people. Yeah. But sometimes you don't know that the other people are their siblings or my other children. And so to go with that gut feeling that you're saying, yeah, you're you're 100% right. Parents do have a gut feeling. I'm sure every parent knew at some point in time my child is having sex or you felt or it. Or you thought it. Unless you're just completely oblivious right. to to life. And so they felt that, but somehow them feeling that got mixed up with it instead of it being somebody at their school wherever the case may be, somebody that they know, um, maybe online, is now in my home. Mm -hmm. And so it's hard to vet the specifics of things. And especially because you really you really don't know. Yeah. Unlike, unless you catch them or unless your child tells you, as a parent, I feel like you know that there's a possibility that it can happen. Mm-hmm. You you know you might know your child to be like yeah they probably out there doing that 
but you really don't know. Like for my, my family, they would always ask me because she was, you know, I was around that age. I'm around people who they know are definitely having sex and that kind of thing. And so it's always, well, are you doing something? Are you doing this? And I was honest. I'll be like, no, but I think that's where the gut feeling is, but it's never an assurance. But I do think I agree in that you always assume that it's with somebody else if they are. Um, and moving still to and, and further towards this point, there was a um, there are people around R. Kelly before the fame. Mm-hmm. R. Kelly got discovered on the TV show, if I'm not mistaken, when he first started his career. He was a part of a group before he went solo. Public announcement. Yeah, he um, R. Kelly did not become a pervert after the fame. He didn't. <laughs> Let, let's be for real. He That's didn't. not funny. Okay. Yeah. Was a right. Yeah. They, R. Kelly did not. In, in a very small percentage of of people who are abuse victims become abusers. Mm-hmm. Like a, a very less than ten percent become um, abusers themselves as they get older. But when, when we're thinking in the in the context of strictly R. Kelly, he went through the abuse. He knew how it made him feel. He still went down this path. And yes, part of being a predator is a sickness within the mind, but it's not so... It's, it's not self-inflicted. It's, it's mm-hmm. not so uncontrollable that you don't know what you're doing is wrong. They, it's, it's Actually, what they want is to hurt other people the way they were hurt. Mm-hmm. And then they try and mask it by saying, oh, it's not that bad. or I'm not tre-. They, they tell themselves, I'm not treating them the way I was treated or so on and so forth. The problem is, there were people around R. Kelly in his 20s and his, you know, even in his teens that knew that R. Kelly was attractive to younger women. Mm-hmm. So before he became this big shot guy, there were people who were comfortable with turning away from what he was doing. And that's the reason why, once he had the money, he was able to say, hey, you you go ahead. He, R. Kelly hired a lot of his family and friends as staff members early on nights. Mm-hmm. Those were the people that he was already comfortable with. Those were people who were already comfortable with what he was doing. And they were able to help him bring in and help him vet those other people who they knew would stay with the course of what he was doing. But I think that that's the point that we're, we're trying to address is this was so normal that these people who were helping him, who were aiding him, could look at what was going on and then look the other way. Yeah, normal yeah. because it was taught, though. And that's where I'm going. It was taught. It was taught that you keep this a secret, and even if you bring other people in, they have to be just as responsible as you are. There's um, the guy who said, um, "I, I saw don't the even clip. think he it's said, that. I think, and I don't want to cut you off, but it's just if I don't say it now, I lose it. I really think that people, the society as a whole, does not value women." Sometimes it's not even that complex. It's sometimes it's like, like, when it's somebody's, sometimes it's when somebody's paying you for something. If you're paying me to be your assistant, da, 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 the money's good, and you're doing some questionable-ish in your personal life, I'm going to ignore the fact, not talking about me personally, but just this person in the situation, I'm going to kind of ignore the fact that you're doing some really sus stuff because you're paying me. And so sometimes it's not even as deep as we want to make it out to be. Sometimes it just boils down to money. This is my job. I'm doing my job. 
And sometimes people sleep better at night knowing my job is for me to book you here, 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 call this person. My job is not to say, hey, guy, what you're doing is wrong. Um, And da, 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 to out you because that's not what you're paying me to do. That's not in my job description. That's the whole thing. I mind my business. Yeah. I'm buying your empathy at that point. And that's, and that goes to show. And that's, a part of what the psychologists was talking about, were talking about um, in the documentary of how we as people compartmentalize the things that we want to deal with and the things that we don't want to deal with. And so with him, the craziness of him um, talking to younger girls or abusing them mentally, physically, emotionally, sexual, sexually, we're able to compartmentalize that because we love the music and we get some sort of high off of his music, some sort of enjoyment. And so to be able to fully enjoy it, we're just going to say, we're just going to ignore all these other things. But I think the reason why we're able to do that is because of the things we're taught in our childhood. Mm -hmm. What what happens in my house, in this house, stays Stays in this house. house. And what's going on in their house is none of our business. So Mm -hmm. what what our county is doing with me as a professional is... Is has absolutely nothing to do with what R. Kelly is doing with those people over there because I'm not brought into that situation. And for me, I didn't watch the the documentary and I absolutely refuse. I can only speak from my standpoint as a victim, as a victim twice. Um, and the the fact that the people who the the, the people who abused me were brought to me by family members. Mm. They were I was I, I don't ever think I was served up on a silver platter, but I do believe that. Well, I know for a fact when 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 it came down to the rape experience when I was five years old, my cousin knew that her boyfriend had like already been accused of abusing children, mm. and she still brought him around. So, and then it was, it was this whole thing of this, everybody thinks they're the exception to the rule. She, oh, he's not gonna do that over mm. here, or I, I don't think that's true because he loves me, or whatever. And then to find out. Year, I found out years later that she knew. She wow. knew that he should that he had been accused. Someone had came to her personally with some sort of evidence, and she still like she snuck him in my mom's house in the middle of the night, mm. and he wasted no time. Absolutely no time. I don't want to get off topic, but being being five years old and that happening to you, growing up now where you're 22, how has that affected you in your life? How do you? I trust very few people, period. Family, friends, associates. <coughs> I know um, I'm insomnia. I'm 22 years old. I have not slept well since then. I know. We, we like, lived in the same room. Right. Unandi <laughs> and I shared um, a dorm room. Where we slept next to each other right. almost. Like maybe five feet away from each other. And so then I know that sleep she in my sleep. bed. So Bria would be knocked out. Inani would be knocked. Inani wake up at four four o'clock in the morning. Yeah. For I wouldn't be knocked out. And you I always fell asleep. Sitting up. Like, up. Should be up. Up when I go to sleep. Up when I wake up. If Inani is possibly the first of my roommates to ever ask me, like, did you sleep at all? <laughs> like, like why are you not sleeping? Right. I think she noticed that at times, and I would like literally. I've been doing this my entire life. I would lay down. I would have the the, the, the lights off. I would be completely silent, completely still, and be wide awake. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not be 
I mean, like, what, I live, I live with her. Yeah. And like, even Bria probably rolled over a few times when she would like sleep in our room and she looked like, Phyllis, why are you not asleep? I'm like, I'll get there. Well, no, I would ask you that because it's like, I thought that I was the only person who was like that. <laughs> so I would ask and be like, oh, she's still up too? Okay. Well, why are you not asleep? I know why I'm not asleep, but why are you not asleep? And I'm completely different because why they up arguing no, about why they not sleep? <laughs> I am gone <laughs> for a good eight hours. Don't touch me. Don't talk to me. I'm not rolling over. I can't hear nothing you talking about. I'll talk to you in the morning. The fire alarm went off. I slept through it. <laughs> Phyllis would be rocking me. Wake up. The fire alarm. I'm like, girl. And it was only what? That entire school year was one serious <laughs> One serious fire alarm. I just thought leaving the room. Yeah, but, I never left the room. Oh but no, but so I remember Phyllis telling me that. And I was like, bullshit. She just can't go to sleep until... You know, time went by. We began to learn one another, and she began to share with me. I began to share with her, and I'm like, "Oh shit! Like, this is real deal." Right. And to the day, like, it affects everything. My my job now. I'm supposed to be there at eight thirty. My train is about twenty five minute ride to work. It's a ten minute walk to the train. Mm-hmm. I can still end up going to late work sometimes, at least once a week. Simply because I have not fallen asleep until 5 a.m. My alarm goes off at 6.30. Mm-hmm. So what should be like, I should be energized at 6.30, you know, getting up. I'm not, I'm just rolling over at 6.30 if I went to sleep at all. Today I got up. Inandi, I knew when Inandi was awake. I was seriously <laughs> laying in my bed, refusing to move. Because I get up at about 4.40, right. 5 o'clock every morning. And I was wide awake. Inani knocked on my room door and I just laid there. I'm like, I'm in. Most of us are awake when, well, not Khadija, but most of us are awake when Inani gets up. And I always know it's either her or Khadija when I can see that bathroom light or the hallway light. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. I can stay in my bed. But that, another thing of, of trust for, for me, that for my particular self, it all boils down, boils down to I trust very, very few people. I am completely conscious of but everywhere my coming to Howard was a very big decision. Mm-hmm. When I was a child, I did not leave my mother's side. The first time I left the state of Illinois, I was 14 years No, I was 15 years old. Wow. I was 15. The first time I left the state of Illinois. I did not spend a night at a relative's house. I did not go to a friend's house. It was a big thing. I still to this day refuse to wear like skirts and dresses. Mostly because I've, I've become very comfortable with pants with my my reason for it as a child was that's how he got his access to Easy access. So it was like, yeah, I'm good. And I did close myself off of a lot from a lot of experiences. And now I remember being, um, I remember just a few days ago being salty. All my um, friends were on Instagram. They were commenting on this popular pages post about like this, um, this amusement park and it's right in Illinois. And everybody's like, Oh yeah, I had so many fun memories there. And I was like, yeah, I got offered to go there so many times. Never went. Never went. Because I just didn't want to. I refused to go anywhere. If it was not school, school became my absolute most favorite thing. Because I was safe at school because I wasn't sleeping at school. And I'm safe at home because my mother never let anybody back in my house after that. Like, it was us and cousins. And we had, like, the room with the girls and room with the boys and girls locked. And I was good. Like, that's just the way it was for me. Wow. That's deep. So you're you're safe around 
females that you Not trust. Always. Right, only ones that you trust. Yeah. Mm. But like, um, I the, 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 the openness I have now in this house is the most open I've been in my entire life. Yeah. Like, if it, and, and there's just almost, that, that's everywhere. That's the most open I've been in my entire life. Because I remember uh, Phyllis telling me a story about the roommate she had before me um, and how you just, like, didn't get along, didn't trust her at all. Like, and I understood it because there are people that you encounter in college or in life that you just don't, you just don't vibe with. It's a part of life. But now it's much deeper than that. It's on a deeper level. Mm-hmm. Um, and All so, those things stay with yeah, you. Yeah, they like, do. I don't like strangers. <clears throat> I'm very, very leery of people that I don't know trying to interact with me in any capacity. Mm. Like, if I don't know you and you walk up to me on the street or you DM me on Instagram... I'm immediately defensive. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, know. Yeah, I hear the story. Ray's like, who the hell is that? And I'm like, I just don't understand why he's writing me. Like, sometimes somebody might just slide into Bria's DMs. Don't and she's like, to me. But why are you sliding to my DMs? Like, I just don't understand. Like, what do you want? Right. And, and that's the thing. It's always because it's, people have always wanted something from me. Mm, and it's true. always been... Sexual, and so Phyllis has had the the standpoint of being a rape victim. But growing up, for me, I've always experienced a lot of harassment from yeah. strangers, and Same. Same. I've been molested. And it wasn't just males. So for Phyllis, it's easy to be like, okay, I'm just gonna be in a room with girls, and I don't have to worry about anything. I'm always having to be on guard. Because anybody can want something from me. So do you feel like... I'm going to throw you a curveball. Because it's just Inandi. Um, Do you feel like you being... Open to... Not saying you were open. By force, you were. To, you know, not just being molested by a male but by a female how has that affected you in your adult life does that make you curious in any way because a lot of people become curious when it they did. Deal my with mom things. asked me that same question when she found out about it years later she mm-hmm. was like so what does that mean like are you bisexual do you like girls and the answer is no um i appreciate the female body just because i i mean i find it artistic i think yeah. The female body has been a focal point in art for millennia. So let's just, it's fine. Um, but I'm not attracted to women. I'm not never going to be in a relationship with a woman or anything mm-hmm. like that. I don't want to have sex with women. Um, plus, I think that people, especially women, are sexually fluid anyway. You know, I think you like what you like, and any gender can service you i don't have a better term to use right now but anybody completely disagree with that but okay (laughs) i think it's more one more than the other depending on your preference but no i'm not i think when i was younger i might have been a little bi-curious but never 
like full on attractive mm-hmm. to girl, but I just knew I'm like, okay, I don't always feel safe. That's a good. You're about to say something. I'm. I know what I want to say next, but I'm just let you say it. No, go for it. Go for it. I'm about to go off. Cause no, this is ahead. about to put. Okay, so in this docu series, we see the girl Dominique become a boy. Dominique, a boy. Yeah, she became a boy. He turned that girl. He turned boy. her into a boy. So when we're talking about being molested, and we're talking about that same spirit, kind of. Because essentially that's what we're talking about. That same spirit growing up with you. And then it kind of turning into something else. The spirit of confusion. The spirit of confusion, yes. But when it comes to him turning her into a boy. I don't know if he was molested by a man. Or touched Mm -hmm. by a man. But can we say that? Or can we just say that it's just this spirit of confusion that grew up with him. And now... He's so sexually curious that it becomes a thing where he will try anything because there are people out there. There are people out there that are so sexually curious and just your charge, your amplifier. So it's like generally the um, when it comes down to to victims of abuse, this is the the fact of it. Majority of victims of abuse. Abuse, go on to abuse the same sex that abused them. Mm-hmm. So for R. Kelly, he abuses women because his sister abused him. It's very rare that you'll find like R. Kelly, a woman abused him, so now he's abusing men. Things like that. But you don't think he's gay? I don't think that he's gay. I, don't, I, I think that he is straight. I think that he, um, his perversion yeah. and his mental state caused him to switch from being straight and in, 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 in wanting women, or, or should have wanted women as he got older. I was shocked to my face. Wanting, because here's the I, thing I with Dominique. And here's the thing with Dominique. Kelly, yeah, he, he's definitely gay. I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. Because at the end of the day, she was still a girl. Yeah. He was dressing her like a boy. He cut her hair, oh, but the so other thing was, I, he dressed her. Yes, like he dressed her. Like he got a her boy. tattoos. He cut her hair, but they were saying. That I guess one of the girls who was describing her when she first came into the house in the cult was that because she was a tomboy. And it almost made it seem like when he met her, he was just going along with that and he just amplified it to the T. I, I would not be surprised. That. Yeah, I don't I wouldn't be surprised to find out that he's actually gay and will just take anything. I think it's more like Phyllis said, it's just that or like you said, in that you once you get that spirit and you're just so sexually charged, it doesn't really matter. And if I'm being transparent, I mean, I was younger, and we have to understand that I didn't know anything about sex. Yeah. Or at least, no, I didn't have a full understanding of it. And so when you're a kid, well, you're already your hormones out of control. You're already sexually charged. And then you have these experiences in which you've been taken advantage of by both sexes, and so it's just adding another layer of things for you to figure out that you already had to figure out. So that was me. Like, coming up in high school, I was just like, well, I don't know. Like, I hung around everybody. I hung around girls who were gay. I hung around guys who were gay. I hung around girls who were tomboys. You know, I grew up in the house with five uncles, so I had a tomboy phase, too. Yeah. And so I just, I I already didn't know. 
and then you add such a complicated thing of sex on top of that. <laughs> um, when you add such a complicated thing of sex on top of that, it's like, well, am I gay? Am I bisexual? Am I bi-curious? All these terms like that we're confusion. throwing around. That's literally what it is. It's a spirit of confusion with a sexual charge. Yeah. That's the best way that I can Because I don't think it. it's anything. I think a lot of people, a lot of girls go through the tomboy phase. I went through the tomboy phase. I think a lot point. of girls go through the bi-curious phase, too. Well, I haven't been well, through see, the bi-curious I, phase. And that was the point I was going to make earlier. <laughs> when I, because of what happened to me, I found myself completely unattracted to anything. Yeah. Mm. Like, completely. So I've never had a bi-curious phase. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember being like, I remember right after my second trauma, there was a little girl who like lived across the hall. And she had, like, a, a way too open mom. She had, like, a mom who would, like, have sex in front of her. Yeah. Stuff like that. What? And I remember, yeah. Like, and for some reason, parents, and I've heard this my entire life, like, parents would think their kids aren't in the room or think, like, they don't know what's going on. Because they're the young. Too, yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. She was okay. the same age as me. And she knew exactly what was happening because she was the youngest in her house and all of her sisters were way older. And all of the sisters were having sex. So it was like, whoa. And I remember her saying something weird. Like, she went to my school, so my mom would, like, bring her home when we came home. And I remember saying something like, I'm a freak later. And I was like, what? She was like, you want to do it with me? And I was like, what? And I was like, what? Literally. Like, no, I can't she was like, you. So she, she was like, saying she was going to go have sex later. She asked right. Phyllis if she was going uh, to No, she asked me if I wanted do, to do, with like, her. Do you want to oh. join? Okay. Yes. Do I want to join? And I was like... <laughs> Uh, and I remember watching her, like, I, I remember my older sister walked in the room and stopped everything that was happening. But, and Shanisha's three years older than me, so I was five, she was eight. But she, the girl, she yeah, was five. a lot going on. Yeah. Five, eight, seven. No, she, she, my sister was eight, but, like, I was five at the mm-hmm. time. And the girl was five. And I remember her, like, she was, like, as, as I got older and I saw, like, poor, because my friend showed me porn when I was in high school. But I remember her, like, touching herself. I remember, like, doing all these things that she, like, learned across the hall from me. And me, as I got, I didn't, I literally never found myself like, oh, he's cute. Never. Yeah, so, yeah, so for me, I kind of knew at an early, (laughs) at an early point in life what I wanted. Not saying sexually, but I knew that I was very much so attracted to men. Mm -hmm. And I still am attracted to men. <laughs> um, I, I, I wish they could have seen the way you just lean back. Like, yeah, I'm still attracted to men. I, I am still attracted <laughs> to men. Like, like her Earth and Kid, like, I don't care what I'm saying right now. Like, I mean, it's just what it is. It just, it just is what it is. I was very in tune with my sexuality mm-hmm. or my sexual preference at a very early age. And for me, my tomboy stage was just that. It was a tomboy stage, not meaning sexually I wanted to kind of explore explore women. women. It just meant for me I wanted to explore things that girls didn't do. So I played flag football. I was the only girl on the team. And in order for me to be on the team to a certain extent, I had to be tough. I had to be a list of things that were associated with being a male Hence, yeah. I went through my tomboy stage sexually. I like see, I didn't, and and for me, I, I'm still in my tomboy stage. But it wasn't until I got to college that 
someone told me like Tom like the I guess the, the rule of thumb was that tomboys eventually became Tomboys get become dykes. And I'm what? I've never heard that. <laughs> I'm what? I, I am putting that I am putting that on wax right now. I don't care. People are gonna say people are not gonna like this. Tomboys become dykes. Whoa! Tomboys. Whoa. I never thought of tomboys. I said as a what thing. I said. Tomboys become dykes. I've never thought of tomboys as a sexual thing for myself. When I was a tomboy, I feel attacked right when now. When I was a child, I always thought of tomboys as a girl who likes boy stuff. Like you like. But when drugs. you get to college, you realize that a tomboy. No. Is. No. 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 First of all, okay, can we start using the word dyke? It's definitely stud. Okay, to be to be. To be politically correct. To be politically correct. It's not. It's stuck. It's stuck. Oh my god. Oh my god. Or a bull dagger. That's what my mama would say. At least you like that. That's true. She used to say butch. And I was like, yeah. That's old. That's old. Butch, a bull dagger. I was like, oh my goodness. No. I never thought of. You all are not. I think the whole well the whole concept of a tomboy that you guys are looking at a um I wear Adidas sweatpants and no. I have, not even, no not even just that like what yeah I dress sometimes I do have my my days in which I dress more masculine like I have a thing for baggy clothes call me an XTLC member but like I grew up in the house of five uncles so I'm rough housing like but I, I don't, don't look at you like to be a tomboy. Not day. so much now. Not so much now. But I think for me, I it wasn't a tomboy. Forth, but then, I don't look at you to be a tomboy. Yeah. Mostly because I'm a little bit of an alien. But for me, my um, I don't. I never thought of it as, as a preference of attire. I always thought of tomboy as simply a a girl who was interested in things that were generally reserved for males. Yeah. I loved wrestling. And, as and a that's child. and loved, that's like, what it starts off as. But when you are an adult. There, to me, there's no such thing as being an adult and being a tomboy. You yes. have some women that are some women that are extremely feminine, and you have some women that are not. And so, when you're an adult and you're like, I'm a tomboy, I'm a t-. like, no. But for me, like, you're I'm usually a dyke. You're no, a no, that's crazy. Because I, 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 still like my sports. I still like right. WWE. I still like, you know, I prefer. If you give me the option to I go see a chick flick or go see, but fashion I don't theory, consider take me to see fashion. Theory. But I don't consider that at at twenty and over. I do not consider that as still being considered a tomboy. So, then what, so what do you call it? You're just a woman. I think we want to give ourselves these labels, and sometimes you're just a woman. You have women that are extremely feminine, like me. I wear makeup. I wear weave. I wear ass long hair. (laughs) I wear six inch heels. I do all of these lashes. Feminine thing. I have lashes on now. I have lash extensions that I get done every four weeks. When I look at Phyllis, Phyllis is the total opposite of me. I would wake up in the morning, I would be in the mirror doing my makeup, da da da. Phyllis would come next to me. This is when we stay, when we lived in the same room. Mm-hmm. Phyllis would come next to me, brush her teeth. Ten minutes, I'm done. Ten minutes, she's <laughs> done, and I'm dressed. In ten, ten minutes. minutes, and ten minutes, I'm just done doing my eyebrows. That's and so, when I look at the difference between us two, I'm not like, oh shit, she's a tomboy. No, I just look at it as. She's not interested. I don't call her a tomboy, but she's definitely an anomaly. I'm very much a category 
all by herself. Okay? I'm a Martian. This is true. And I have just, I've grown tired of trying to get Phyllis to no longer be an alien. But listen, I don't even Martian know what life works for me. It, does, it doesn't bother me. Because Phyllis is Phyllis, and there are so many other women that are like Phyllis that just. Don't do the girly girl stuff. And my sisters don't know. I don't do nothing. Phyllis don't do nothing. I've been around people who don't do the girly stuff. They are not pressed, dressed, and laid, just slayed 24-7. I get that. I'm one of those girls. Like, you know what? What you see today is what you get. If I'm done up today, I'm done up. If I'm not, I'm not. Phyllis don't do nothing. Look at the twisted people. Phyllis takes care of her skin, but that's about it. Phyllis is semi-crusty. Semi, I am. I never comb my hair unless I absolutely. Which is problematic. Like, so problematic. We'll say that for another it episode. It annoys them. It annoys them. And I, part of it would probably be from from Do you think that my sexual mechanism. Mm. But mm. but the other part is my my mother loved to comb my hair as a child. I was one of those girls who you see like the childhood pictures of her and she had like the really long hair and all the little thousand ponytails and all. I was that girl. Were you? Because you won't sit down for two seconds for me to comb your hair. No, and she used to pop me too, and that's why I can't stand you. (laughs) It's just the way it was for me, for my, for my family. It's what I went through. Um, but I hate if you see my sisters. My sisters are like y'all. My sisters love going to nail shop. They look at the eyebrows. But I can I can understand that being a defense mechanism because that was me. You know, I got there was one point where I got really really tired of being harassed and harassed. And so I would dress down on yeah. purpose, thinking that it would deter them, it these didn't. grown men, from stopping me and grabbing me and following me on the street. And I learned very quickly it didn't. It does not <laughs> at all. I could look like a straight up bum. It, it doesn't matter. It, do, it doesn't matter. I've gone out looking like bums, and I still have a car pull up problem. next to me and harass It doesn't me. matter how you look. It don't matter how old you are. Some it doesn't are matter thirsty. what you want. Yes. Like, if you want that, that invitation or that attention... Nothing matters to a predator. And I think the issue is that there are so many predators. Because they've been taught to be and because they've been allowed to be for so long. The issue is there are so many predators. The issue is there's also no one calling out the predators. Mm -hmm. That's why so many people are proud of John Legend for appearing in the documentary. Like, I didn't watch the documentary, but I've seen the Instagram, I've seen the tweets, I've seen the He's one of the producers of it. And John Legend's like, this is just simply what we're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Hold people accountable. Yeah. Right. And and they, they're pulling up these old um, recordings of Nas and DMX talking about R. Kelly and everybody's giving them so much praise. And I'm like, y'all are saying this now because you're jumping on the bandwagon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But what was that meme? Uh, R. Kelly's um, inappropriate acts were public knowledge 20 years ago 30 and now, right now y'all are just being y'all just now being taught to hate him right. and that's crazy to me and I, do, do, do i appreciate well i don't appreciate but let some people be sheep let them come into the episode as long as they don't change and go back once you jump on the way let's do something to keep them on blade that's yeah. why i think this documentary is so important that's why i think so many more people are speaking out and speaking out against certain names because we still have to talk about how people are treating terry cruz this is a grown man, mm-hmm. buff guy, known for being tough, whatever. You know, he plays funny in movies, but this is an ex-football player. Mm-hmm. Somebody's still trying to sexually assault him. A lot of people believe that women don't abuse men. Yeah. Yeah. And this was a, a Terry Cruz was a sexual assault by a man. Yeah. And then I, I thought it was a woman. It was a man. 
was an it was an agent in his um that belonged to the uh, no he was in front of his wife in it. Oh okay. Oh my god. Like his wife was right there. They were at a party, and it's, it's like an agent from his um from the the company. I think that Harvey Weinstein was a part of, or whatever happened. But at the end of the day, like people are, we don't we demonize women for telling because we say you're gonna um you're gonna ruin this man's career. You demonize men for saying something because like and you're not a man. We tell children like, well, are you sure this happened? We try we try to trick children into thinking they don't know what they're talking about. That we say the elderly that. are old and confused or or they waited too long. All these different things because we want to protect the predators. Really, yeah. you're protecting yourself. All these people who are defending R. Kelly, they're defending their own yeah. selves. Not even protect the predator, but protect the act. At the end of the day, it boils down to having a sense of entitlement, a sense of power over somebody mm-hmm. else. People want what they want. Yeah. Men want to be Absolutely. able to have sex with women. They want to just possess you. Just the power of Right. Them. And anything that might stop them from having that is a problem. Anybody who says something to protect somebody or hold somebody else accountable that'll make it even even that make it even difficult for me to now go and get what I want, you're a problem. Well, I would love to tune in on that point. I would love to join That's in. Um, but we've reached our time limit. <laughs> and so the conversation usually gets good towards the end. But that's it. We're we're wrapping up this Survivor R. Kelly-ish because we could talk about so many different things. Um, but we've reached our time limit, and so that's the end of it. Thanks, people. Y'all stay safe. All right. Thank you for tuning in. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. Um, tune in to the next. I know a lot of people gave me good feedback. They like Bria, they like Phyllis being on the show. Um, oh, we got fans? Yes. <laughs> okay, fans. I just want to show a shout out to all of my fans. Anyway. Ray Ray and y'all, you know. I want to give honor to God who's ahead of my life. Lord. I love y'all. <laughs> anyway. And this is why we leave Bria This is why we leave Bria <laughs> <in there. laughs> at home. This is why Bria and I love coming out in front of the Exactly. Because of the way she acts. <laughs> all right, y'all. Thank you for tuning in. And I'm signing off.